Hey everyone, it is the holiday season and kids are coming home from colleges for their long winter break. There is excitement, there is nervousness, there is going to be some anger, there are going to be all the feels from parents and kids alike. And so we have some tips and strategies for how to make it go smoothly, also why it's hard, and also ways to find some joy and really honor these new adults that are coming into your lives. Take a listen and give us a like and a share if you enjoy the podcast. Thanks so much. Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? (laughs) Yours. (laughs) Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapists, brought to you by Virginia Family Therapy and Sarah with her NPR voice. Thank you very much. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Caroline. Hi. (laughs) How are you guys? Good. I'm better now that Sarah did her intro. We are we're only on take two over here, so we're really killing it today. Let's see how long it sticks. I know we are post Thanksgiving though, so we're all recovering. We are, and we haven't done this, and I'm just happy to see you all. It's so fun to see you. I know I still haven't seen you guys in person in a couple of weeks. I know. I know. Guys, we have a topic today that we've been literally marinating on for a year, which is we tried to do this last <laughs> year. And last year, we would have to record every episode, full episode, six times before they launched. Now, and we never got this one out. So now we're just going to do it and hope it reaches the people. And the topic is, how do you handle your, your college-age children when they come home for their winter break? I was so testy. Like I can really remember myself coming home from college like 10 years ago. And I was not always the kindest child in those moments. Well, I think it's this time where everyone, at least many adults are mostly excited, especially when it's your first kid who's gone away for the first time. And I think everyone gets super excited. And then anyone who has been through it or been a therapist for kids and families who've been through it, know how hard that time actually is. Re-entry is tough. Re-entry is always tough. And I think um, we hear from parents pretty quickly after re-entry when kids come back. And we also, at the same time, get mad texts from the client that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Yep. We sure do. So we're going to give you just some perspective on why it's so hard. And then we're going to give you some tips and tricks that we have been giving folks for years because this is an age-old problem, y'all. Yeah. And if even if your kid is not college age, but you have a kid that's you know sophomore, junior, or senior in high school, some of these little things you may even see in your own home just from the high school stopping for the winter break, but also you'll definitely see them when your kid or if your kid goes off to college. Couple don'ts: don't move and not give your kid forwarding address. That really does not actually solve this. Although, I do understand wanting to contemplate that. Sarah, you haven't even been through it yet, and you're like, "It's going to be hell." This is your pre-anxiety, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. I have fantastic and well-honed anticipatory anxiety. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> 
it's two years out for you and you're like, I need it now. I'm planning right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I have plans drawn up for the guest house or the tiny house. I'm not sure which route will go. It may just be a yurt in the backyard. I'm not sure. <laughs> this is how bad it is, guys. Like it also, if if you have a lovely time, I'm really jealous of you. Like I hope, I hope you all have lovely times with your kids because the reality is part of the reason, and we're going to go into why it's so hard, but part of the reason it's so hard is because they really fancy themselves as adults now, right? They are coming back to you as newly formed adults in their mind. It's amazing what three months can do. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, college is the most fascinating social experiment that we take kids who have lived at home their whole lives and say like, okay, now we're going to put all of you together all on your own and you're all going to be adults for the first time. It's insane. Yeah, we're going to take one giant age group. We're going to put you in very small quarters We're going to intensify your capability to learn and be open to learning. And we're not going to supervise you. It's basically reality TV. Yeah. And we're going to make sure you have access to substances, whether you're old enough or not. (laughs) All those things are really fascinating. And in the United States, I think we do it the best. It's also, and I'm like, I hear that. I'm like, it's so fun. It was so fun. It's so fun. It's hard and fun. But I think that's part of the reason that it's jarring to come back home. Oh, a million. So I think the first reason that we kind of are even talking about is that kids change a ton, even in that first three months. They, They really do. They see themselves as adults. They're like, I have been independent for three months and I've essentially done my own laundry for like, I've done my laundry twice in the last three months. So how (laughs) dare you tell me how to do laundry? Right. Well, they actually do have way, a lot of times, way more freedom and way more responsibility. And they feel empowered because if they're being successful, they figured out how to juggle that. And then they come home and it's like, wait, you're going to tell me to put my dish away. You're going to tell me to do this. It doesn't sit well. Well, and everybody's so excited. This is the other thing. So you have three months away. It possibly is the first and most intense three months for everybody, parents and kids being separated for the first time if someone didn't go to boarding school. And so everybody's really actually excited about Christmas. Like you cannot wait to see your kid. And usually the students cannot wait to come home. Like there's so many. So then there's this incredible buildup. And then when it doesn't go well or the, the, expectations don't exactly match up, there is great kind of letdown and disappointment that can happen pretty quickly. Absolutely. I actually saw like four college students today and it was all about like being at home for Thanksgiving. How do I get through finals? And then like, how do I prepare to go home for a month? Because college winter breaks are super long and everyone was like, I had it, guys, it's the emotional forecasting, whatever that's called. I anticipated Thanksgiving was going to feel like this. And then for one of my clients, it was like, and it was way better. And for one, they were like really let down and it was a bummer. Right. But so it's like, how do I get myself emotionally prepared to go home for a month? 
Well, do you guys remember like going home for the first time and realizing not that because you just hadn't thought about it because who cares about what your family's doing back at home? You're just mostly focused on yourself at 18 mm-hmm. that they're actually going through their day without you every day. Like, so you get home and you're like, oh my gosh, they're living here without me. But I think that's the other piece is that parents have changed so much, right? Like guys, if if it's your first kid who's gone or if it's your last kid who's gone, either way, you have one less kid in the house, right? And so your role as an adult has changed so much too. So a, adults and siblings have changed a ton too. Like that's a whole different dynamic. Mm-hmm. And your kid has new influences that you know nothing about. Like you don't really know who lives down the hall from your kid, who they're hanging out with talking to late at night. I mean, they may walk through the door and like, have new political views, have different philosophy on life. You know, like all of a sudden you're like, who are you? They might have like new hair, right? Or like a whole new style. Guys, there's actually uh, like a therapeutic theory that that actually is why we're called Virginia Family Therapy when I named it is and part of why I believe in family therapy is because essentially when families are working, everyone is a puzzle piece that matches together, right? Like everyone is in their own piece and everyone knows how everyone works, right? So when one person leaves the puzzle and goes away to college and changes, their piece changes. So when they come back home from college, they can't actually, they don't fit anymore, right? Like their piece hasn't, doesn't fit in the same way. And so there's so much tension and conflict and all of that. And that's why the change part is really hard. Well, and I think you're, you talk, you know, you mentioned the parent part of things change for parents too. I mean, some parents kind of quietly like will admit that their house is more peaceful without that one kid home or things have changed and actually their marriage is a little stronger or, you know, little things. And it's okay. Like that's really fine. That's not bad. It's not anything. It's just what happens when one person leaves the house and goes and becomes more independent. I mean, that's a natural change for families, right? Like you're saying. And I think, yeah. And sometimes there's just less conflict, right? Like if you have two kids and one car and one kid goes to college without the car, like, okay, right. The second child gets to drive all the time. And then the older kid comes home from college and is like, wait, what? That's my car. Right. So it's like, there's this readjusting back into like negotiating things that have changed and now have to be refigured out for this month or six weeks or however long the kid is home. But the parents and the second kid have all gotten used to the new like routine. Mm hmm. And I will say like six weeks, four to six weeks is such an awkward period of time because that college kid really doesn't have an identity or a purpose at that time, right? It's not like they're supposed to be going to a job or they might have a side job, but not a full-time job. They they don't have classes that they have to be going to. Really, there's, their job at the time is weirdly to kind of relax and socialize mostly, right? And they're coming off the most stressful part of the semester. They're coming into your home after like bathing in anxiety and stress of their world around them while everyone's in finals. Pulling all-nighters. They're they're coming in after not sleeping for two weeks straight. Or eating well. Yeah. Which is why they all get sick. Right. And everyone is sick at the end of the semester. I mean, the flu goes way up, viruses, cold, strep. Every university college campus, I think, in the United States 
has something floating around that increases around um, finals time and, and finals that stress around finals is so contagious on campus Mm -hmm. when everyone is stressed about exams. Even if your kid isn't a huge stressor around exam time, they will learn to be stressed around exam time, um, which is kind of too bad, but it's just the way that the environment is most places. So guys, have we scared you yet? Have we, (laughs) we terrified you? You're like, I am ready to move. Like my kid cannot find me. Let us, by the way, there could be lovely moments of joy and we're going to set you up for some of those moments of joy, but we actually have some really nice strategies to help you manage all of that fear we have just like put in your hearts. Um, so let's go through some of those. And I think the first one is to just temper your expectations, go into this knowing that they're going to be highs and they're going to be lows and that's all okay. And it doesn't mean that like your kid is going to the wrong college or your kid is not thriving. It's going to be hard and your kid can be healthy. Both can be true at the same time. Well, college is still real life. So your kid will have had ups and downs at college and winter break is still real life. Caroline's deep. Yeah, that was good. I kind of want to sit on, sit with that for a second. Although I will say I came home my freshman year winter break and was like, I'm transferring. (laughs) I was that kid. Did you transfer? No, I applied to eight schools though, and made my parents support me through that fun process to decide I was actually in the right place and wanted to stay. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think adjustment to college is still happening through that first semester. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like you guys just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I think too, when we're talking about temper expectations, you know, you and um, you guys and I, we always talk about like cracking that door, leaving that door open. And I think that's kind of what happens when you temper your expectations. If you can be so excited about your kid, I'm picturing myself and totally projecting because this is how I'll be. I'll be so excited. My daughter comes home. She'll be far less enthusiastic about her return. And, um, and I will have to not feel that any sort of disappointment. I'll just have to be open to that. Like she's allowed to have whatever feelings she has. She's going to, you know, and I just need to sit in that and not push or press any of my agenda in that, like just sit and let things happen, which I think it can be really hard if you're super excited. I mean, even hearing that Sarah made me tear up a little bit. This is weird, y'all. This is a really weird thing, but I see a lot of college students and sometimes I fantasize about how fun it would be to be an adult of a college student. And then they come back and we have like a nice warm holiday and everyone is like happy and jovial adults. And it seems so warm. See, those are my expectations already that I have put on it. And I think you're right. The kids are not going to give us that and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Not right away. I mean, and I think that's the cool part. Like you, you know, we just sat and talked and about this before we pressed record for this podcast. And I think we all kind of said, you know, what would you, what do you think, or what do you say to your clients about how long they should just give the transition time for, you know, your college kid. And we kind of agreed that 48, 72 hours when they first get home needs to just be kind of very laid back, very low expectation, just kind of let that kid get used to being home kind of unpack all their, you know, bags, laundry, emotional baggage, whatever, and just kind of hold space. Mm-hmm. And they might want to go out that night, right? Like they might be like, oh, there's a huge party 
at Boylan, because isn't there like a huge party at Boylan the night before Thanksgiving? Um, they they might want to go to a huge party and that's okay. And also like, don't, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? If they want to go out immediately? I think it's setting expectations, right? So like, I think also as I'm thinking about this, like communicate as the parent and the kid, what the expectation is. If you're like, Hey, it's really, really important to me that we have this family dinner X night, then you can go out. Right. Or saying like, Hey, Christmas, you know, for those of us celebrating Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas day are off limits, right? Like you are at home with our family. And I just want to like, after you've had your three days to adjust, I'm going to set that expectation now. Right. Or for some families that may just be like known as the expectation. But I think what's really hard is when we don't communicate and I may have lived this experience once or twice in my life where you come downstairs and you're excited to go out with your friends. And then your mom or your dad is like really disappointed or upset because they're like, well, I just made dinner, right? Like, what do you mean you're leaving right now? And as the college kid, you're so used to that. And you're like, then there's this friction and this rub of like, oh, it doesn't feel good. Who gets what they want? When I was just going to say from the perspective of the college kid, like the college kid is coming home after working their guts out for a semester. This is their free time. So -hmm. they're thinking I'm coming home to my house, but this is my vacation. This is my free time. And so they don't always think about, oh, this is what my mom and dad want me to do. Or this is what I need to do with my family just to help with a connection. And so, yes, I totally agree. I think the communication is really, really important. And again, not manipulation communication, just like, Hey, here's the non-negotiable for the holiday. And then I think after you kind of give them that 48 to 72 hour grace period, it is actually really helpful to sit them down and renegotiate a kind of living together contract, because that's, in their minds as adults, that they are like, we're roommates. We understand that they're not, and they're not totally there, but they're going to more than likely try and press on that button a little bit. And so the idea is really sit them down and say, Hey, we know you've been living on your own for the last three months. We're really proud of you. We're really excited about, you know, whatever is true for how you feel about that. And we know that this is a time of adjustment. And so let's talk about what the expectations are. And there are a lot of things that we think that you all should put kind of on the plate for things to renegotiate. So what are the kinds of things you think are important for parents to renegotiate with their college kids at the beginning of the winter break? So I think rules of the house and curfew if there's one. So what are rules of the house? Like what would be in that? Um, I think a lot for families depends on whether or not there are younger siblings, older siblings, other family members that are going to be there over the holidays, you know, those kinds of things. So talking very openly about, and I think again, the approach to sitting down with your college student, if if you want to renegotiate an adult relationship, then you don't start by just saying, here are the rules. You start saying something like, hey, you've been on your own. I want to really respect that. So let's talk a little bit about what would make life work for all of us while you're home. There are some 
things that I feel are non-negotiable, especially in front of your younger siblings, for example, or in front of your grandparents or, you know, whatever. Um, and then there's some things that I think we can be super flexible about and talk about. Um, so, you know, one of the things might be like substance use. Um, if you have an underage college kid who, you know, might be drinking at school, um, you might say, yeah, that's just, I can't, we're not doing that here. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if it's a kid who is 21 and you're okay with that, say, yeah, you know, that's fine. We can talk. You're welcome to drink in front of the family. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that might be a new behavior or something. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm willing to bet that a lot of kids are going to be coming home smoking weed. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially if you have younger kids in the house, you might have to be really, really clear with your college kids about that. And, you could say, I don't know if you should say this, like if you're going to smoke weed, that's on you. But if I smell it, that means that a sibling can smell it. Therefore it's not okay in this house. Yeah. I mean, it can be super black and white, like no smoking weed in my house. Right. Yeah. Right. I think you can say that. And I think that there can also still be a consequence. Like if we're making an agreement that you're not doing this at home and it's happening at home, there's either going to be a conversation or, you know, like something can happen where you're not just like, Oh no, I smell weed again. (laughs) Like we agreed not to do this. Right. Like you can still be in a parenting role to your child while they're home from college, even if it's different, right? Like it might not be taking their phone away because that's just, that doesn't work anymore. Right. But it could be like, you know, Hey, no access to the car or you can't drive the car or you can't go out tonight or, and I also think there are a lot of parents and I don't know if this is right or not either who say like, yeah, you know, not in my house, but when you're out with your friends, whatever, right. Mm -hmm. The expectation is like, don't drink and drive. Call me call an Uber. What I really care about now that I know you're doing this is that you're safe. Like I know I remember the expectations really changing around coming home at night, right? Mm -hmm. Like in high school, it was very clear. Like when I left the house, I was either staying at a friend's house or I was like coming home. But once I was out, I couldn't text at 11 PM and say like, Oh, actually, I want to spend the night out, but I feel like once you're in college, right. If your kid is being safe and wants to spend the night with friends, like I think of people, there are so many kids here that go to UVA who have access to their housing over breaks. So kids come home, they see their friends who go to UVA and then they stay at someone's apartment right there. Yes. So like you might, that might be something you renegotiate. Like, Oh, you said you were coming home. If you're not, you need to text me. Absolutely. So curfew, substance use, where you're sleeping at night, right? And can you make that change in the middle of the night? Which I think actually, it seems very reasonable if they're going to be safer staying on the corner in a, you know, that seems smart. I mean, again, it's about communication, like you said earlier, right? It's about expectations around communication. Like, if you are going to do something different, let us know. Because I mean, speaking from the parental end, you are, you know, you've been able to relax some having your kid away at 
college and now they're back in your house. So you're back in that mode of staying up till everybody's home or whatever. So it does help the parents to know kind of what's happening. So this is a question I've always, at this point, as a parent, I know that I can't sleep until all of my kids are asleep. Um, that's just one of those things. Right. And luckily my kids are not going out, but when they do, I understand the idea. You can't really fall asleep until your kid is home. So if you are a parent and you have an older kid in college, right? Maybe it's not a a freshman, but it's a 19, 20 year old. How do you think that goes? Do you think the adult is the one who actually needs to work on it and not the kid as much? Yeah. I mean, I think the communication needs to be from the kid because I think they need to be empathic to the parent, but I think the parent needs to absolutely work on that. Figure out how to fall asleep. I agree. And I think I totally agree. The kid has to be empathic and the adult has to learn how to kind of manage that anxiety to fall asleep. It's both and. And I think by your third kid, Amanda, you'll just be asleep. Well, guys, I hate to say it. I just said, I don't like to fall asleep when my kids aren't asleep. But actually at this point, Cole, who's 10 goes to sleep after me. It's so embarrassing. I'm in bed at like nine o'clock rolled over and Robert and Cole just do their thing. So I I know he's, he's going to go to sleep eventually. (laughs) No, I think, but I think it's a really good point because I think what happens when a kid comes back under the roof is it activates all those same things and you're activated like when your kid left. And so they left three or four months before, but their whole life has changed so rapidly. And you're just, you know, you're excited for them, but at the same time, you have to still manage your own stuff around that. And it's the same thing of like, you know, what your kid has done in college around eating, for example, like they eat whenever they want, whatever they want. And that includes 3am. Well, I don't know about Mm -hmm. you guys. I definitely was eating at 3am in college, but, um, but I think, you know, saying something like I really Thursday night, we're going to eat as a family you know, again, just being like you said earlier, Caroline and Amanda, like just articulating the expectation around stuff like that meals included. I also think another piece that's really important to negotiate or at least converse about and communicate about is what time kids are getting up in the morning because college students, their general sleep patterns are like 2 AM to noon. That's a general time that college students go to sleep. And, and so for them to come back into an adult's house or like a real adult's house where people are up at like six, seven in the morning, it can feel infuriating to have a college student sleep until noon. So realizing and having empathy that it is normal for their entire sleep schedule to shift. And it's actually healthy. It's healthy for their sleep schedule to shift because it means that it's in line with their peers, right? Mm -hmm. It means that they're responding to college students across the world who sleep these hours, but how do that, how do you manage it when they come back to the house? What do you think is a reasonable expectation around that? I feel like it has to be a compromise right? Like I feel like the kid is typically going to still want to sleep in later and the parent is going to want them up earlier. So again, if there's a day where you're doing something at 9am, tell your child with plenty of warning, Hey, this morning we need to be out of the house at nine. But otherwise I think you compromise and you, if you want them up at eight and they want to sleep until noon, then maybe you walk in their room around 10 and like, that's what you've agreed on but giving it some leeway and not just assuming like, oh my gosh, if my kid is sleeping until noon, they're just like lazy. Mm -hmm. No, they're just, their sleep schedule is different. 
And I also think in that way, there is no real value placed on what time kids wake up. It's it's kind of a social construct based on what time people have expectations. So if you give them a list of things that they have to get done that day, like maybe you need them to take your car to the shop because that is a good task for someone coming out of college. But if they, and you say this has to be done by five, if they wake up at noon and get it all done by five, great. If they can manage that, it doesn't matter if they're getting up at 10 or noon because maybe you're not even in the house. Yeah. Part of treating them as an adult and and helping them kind of fill into that role is about respecting their time management and creating a no nag zone around that. Because I think, like you said, they're used to time management at school now, whether they're great at it or not. I mean, I don't, it's still really hard to learn to do. And so if you know they're having to learn that lesson in college, and they may have learned some more of that than you are giving them credit for. So kind of, I, I also encourage families to kind of set the expectation that they will do it. Like think in a positive way. I'm going to give my kid that task. And if by five, they haven't done it, then I can talk to them about it, but don't keep checking in every hour to see if they've done it. And I also think, oh, how are we going to handle um, because of COVID and even not because of COVID, but friends coming in and out of the house? That's a big one. I mean, most college students have probably had COVID at this point. That's not true, but it's probably true. I think a lot have, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a lot have too. And a lot of schools are mandating vaccines. So a lot of the students are vaccinated too by now. But I think talking about that, and, and again, the same way with any holiday that we've talked about with COVID, if you have a particularly vulnerable person in the family, you know, or a fan, personal that's, you know, if you have a newborn visiting over the holiday, like that's not a great time to have 10 kids that are away at college come through the house. So just again, helping your college student be a broader minded empathic person, adult with the family is what your job turns into as, as the parent, I think more than micro kind of managing their behavior. And it makes me kind of nostalgic. Like I remember so clearly coming home in college and you're like reuniting with your high school friends. And there is this moment of like, whether it's at your house or your best friend's house where like, it's so comfortable and cozy and like someone's mom is making you cinnamon rolls for breakfast again and stuff like that. And I'm like, there's part of me that's like, no, don't you want the friends there? Like that was so, you know, I think there is something really fun for the parents too. If it's like your, your kids, high school friends that you knew forever, like having all those kids back. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Cause you, you know, probably knew them really well too. Mm-hmm. What if your kid comes home and they're not happy? They're really, really not happy. How do we, by the way, I think kids that are doing great at college are probably having moments of extreme unhappiness when they're home. That's normal. That's to be expected. They've spent three months meeting new people consistently and not having a safe space. So there is an expectation of them kind of falling apart when they come home. But how do we know, how do we know if it's too much or how do you know if they're, if they're crying all the time, if they're not going out at all? Like, what do you think? Well, I think for one college and especially first semester is a lot, especially if your kid is slightly introverted Mm -hmm. or on the introverted scale. Like it's a lot because everything, everything, a hundred percent of everything is brand new. So that's really for every kid. So that's super overstimulating. 
coming home is a safe place. So they do, they are more like possibly going to let down in a bigger way. Um, so even a, a, a sad kid or a kid who's feeling some discomfort, once they get home, they may express it. Um, and that doesn't mean that they're miserable or, or severely depressed or any of those things. But you also could have a kid come in who is depressed. And I think, again, watching that 48 to 72 hours, um, I think for some kids, you'll see it lift a little. And for some kids, you won't. Um, I think you're going to have some kids come home and discuss not wanting to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are things just to be very open about. I, I think I encourage families a lot to not hesitate to reach out to people like us to talk about it if it feels like it's um, kind of a heated discussion for families mm-hmm. in that you've, you know, you've watched your kid work really hard to get to the place where they are and they're not happy. Every parent's going to feel some of that. And so thinking that they're going to be completely kind of neutral to be able to talk to their kid, not easy. So it's okay to find someone to have that conversation with your kid a little bit more to maybe pull some of it apart. Um, I think it's very important not to project your feelings of disappointment or stress or anxiety about any of that onto your kid Mm -hmm. in that moment. I also think that like, even though we've been talking a lot about how much your kid has changed, like you still know your kid. So if your kid's behavior is like way out of their ordinary, right? Like if you have sort of an energetic go-getter kind of kid who's like in bed, not seeing friends, not showering, not coming to meals, right? Like if there's a drastic change from what you would expect of your kid at baseline and you're worried, like just be curious with your kid, right? Like, Hey, I noticed you're really not getting out of bed. I'm curious if you're okay. Mm -hmm. Or like, I'm worried that you're not okay. And giving them permission, right. To talk about it too. Like I, it won't upset me if you're not happy. Like, let's share, let's talk a little bit about this. And I think knowing, just thinking about for me, cause I'm a complete extrovert. And so when I went to college, I like essentially socialized for three months straight. And then when I came home, I, I watched TV for all four weeks. I was so exhausted. And I think my mom thinking about this, if she didn't know that I had been out for three months straight, she would have been worried about the four weeks that I zoned out in front of the TV. And so I think comparing what you know about how they, who they were before and who they were at college and having conversations about all of those pieces is really going to help you understand your kid. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about ways to make it fun too, because I think we've talked a lot about how it's hard to have a newly minted adult come into your home and live under your roof that you're paying for, by the way, as well as their <laughs> college tuition, um, how hard that is. But also there is this piece of celebrating that your kid is growing up and becoming an adult. And I think that's exciting. And so how do we want to kind of honor and have fun with that? Yeah. I mean, this is a great fun. This is a great way to connect and a great way to kind of, or a great opportunity to show your college freshman or college sophomore or junior, senior, or, you know, fifth, sixth year, whatever you end up with, um, just that you really do respect their growth and that you want to know who they are. Absolutely. 
I think some of my fondest memories with my mom and my best friend's parents, we annually every year after Christmas or after Christmas before New Year's, we went to a karaoke bar together called the Rocket Grill. And (laughs) we sang karaoke at the Rocket Grill with all of our families for for fully 10 years, we would go, it smelled like smoke. That's it was so fun. It was oh my God. That's so, so fun. fun because it's the only time it really is when you're in your, you have like a 20 year old and then maybe a 50 year old, both ages are kind of like in their prime and still ready to have fun. Things change. Like when you have kids, you can't really go out with your parents as much. So really there is this piece of like twenties to thirties where you get to embrace socializing with your kids and going out with your kids. It's some of my best memories with my family. We actually had a karaoke tradition too. Oh, really? A pre, a pre Christmas karaoke tradition. Where would you do that? In New York. Oh, where my sister lives. Oh, see, (laughs) I'm not here, but like we would, there's something. So I think that the tradition became, it's really fun to be in the city around the holidays. And like my whole family was from New York city. And so it was like a reason to go. We were old enough to go and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So you're saying like both of you guys are giving great examples of renegotiating fun in an adult way with your young adult child or children, which Mm -hmm. is so cool. I think my parents did not, we did not sing with each other. We, I was the oldest. Um, I have a brother who was a toddler when I went off to college. So our family was still very geared towards young kid stuff. Um, but I think I do remember just sitting up at night and having a conversation with my mom over like a glass of wine or doing something like that, that made me feel grown up or, or seen as a grown up. So I think that's kind of the key is just recognizing, but if you can go out and have fun, like by all means, like just have an adult dinner, have an adult sing along, have an adult, like if your kid's old enough, go out to a bar, like do something really fun that recognizes them as an adult. Or like, if you have much younger siblings, right? Like do something fun at home once they're in bed, right? Like watch the Christmas movie that's inappropriate that you can't watch with the little kids around, or maybe like or maybe it's like you do a mother daughter thing or a father daughter thing or a whatever parent, like a one-on-one fun thing. But I think as parents too, like giving your kid the opportunity and saying like, what would be fun for you? Cause we used to also do things called forced family outings, which was like, my parents thought this thing was going to be super fun. And the three of us would be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's like, you can do those things that are important to the parents and create a tradition that your kid is really excited about. Yeah. We used to call them triple F forced family fun. Um, and it was like, there was always like a performance value that was meant to be there for uh, that. You felt as a young person, like you had to show up, you had to look good. You had to dress up. You had to, yeah, those things, or even it, it can be like little stuff, but the effort on the parent side to join is, is where the energy has to come from instead of putting the effort on the returning student or your kid on on their, their end to try to connect with you, like just make an effort to connect with them in their world a little bit more. And, and again, not too much because they, there's this weird balance, I think for a lot of college students where they want their parents to be exposed or know some things, but certainly not everything. And I think 
anyone who thinks back about, you know, being in their early twenties or late teens, it's kind of middle school of adulthood. I mean, there's uh, most of us wouldn't actually go back. We might do college again, there are things definitely in college we wouldn't do again, or possibly even admit to. So I think recognizing that, that not, you're not going to know every single thing about your kid, but just find the few things that they're willing to share and kind of connect at that level with them can be so fun. Yeah. I think it's going to be, it's going to be hard and it's such a new and exciting time to get to know who your kid is becoming as an adult. And if you can even think about it in that way, I think it'll give some perspective. And I think also if you are considering, you know, if you're mindful of the things that we're talking about, um, you know, think about sending this podcast to your college kid and say, look, on your way, on your drive home, on your train ride home, on your flight home, as much as you're going to hate any podcast I choose for you, just listen to parts of this because it also gives them the heads up without you having to organize it or orchestrate it. And even just sending this podcast to them is saying, look, I get it. I'm working on it. I'm trying to figure this out too. Like, let's come together and and make this work. You don't think we were too assholey and and fear-inducing at the beginning to send to teenagers? I think like if my kid were in college, she would actually love that I was that someone was trying to scare me into reality. <laughs> Fair enough. I remember that I tried to record this in our podcast a year ago, but I just remembered it right now because I talked about being nostalgic. But guys, the roots of nostalgic, I don't know what they are, but they mean like pain and home, right? It's like this ache for home. And I feel like it's so appropriate, right? It's like this lovely, wonderful thing that's also a little bit hard. And growing up, that's how they feel too. You know, they they want to be kids in some ways at home and they also want to be adults in the same way that you feel both too. It is such a nostalgic time. I know, right? Like I'm now thinking about like all of these old holidays. I'm thinking about the theme music to Friday Night Lights because I think it is like the perfect nostalgic like theme music. I'm thinking about getting my feelings hurt when my daughter comes back from college for the first time and trying to remember to do all the things we're talking about. Yeah, and it's okay if you forget. So we're thinking about you. Let us know if you need anything. You can contact us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. Anything else, you guys? Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. And just know the range of normal is really huge. So huge if you didn't pick that up by what we said. (laughs) Bye, guys. We hope you have a good break. Bye. Bye.